what makes a birthday great? Boozy brunch. <laughs> I was going to go with something emotional, but I think it's that simple. <laughs> like Aperol spritz and some like Prosecco in the morning. Maybe some waffles. Uh, I like just keeping everything simple. Family, friends, you know, a few wines. Oh God, these questions are hard. <laughs> <laughs> we can do an easier one. We have yeah. easier ones. Oh, I think maybe just spending it with the people that you like to be around. Yeah, not too many surprises because <laughs> they throw me off guard. Happy birthday to you. Happy Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Happy Birthday, the podcast. It's the podcast all about birthdays. Believe it or not, all we talk about is birthdays, but we talk about it from a lot of different angles. My name is Joe Power, and I own a greeting card company called Things by Beam, based in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm Jeremy Gay, student of life and human connection. Today, we are exploring fizzy wine, sparkling wine, bubbly, champagne. 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 Are we allowed to say that? I don't know, you tell me. We're not in the region. <laughs> Did you guys actually know that you, if the sparkling wine that you're drinking wasn't made in the region of Champagne in France, they can't actually call it champagne. It's like a proper noun. Proper noun and being properly legislated in a lot of standards and laws and agreements, international agreements now, <laughs> that they're not allowed to use that unless it's actually either been made in the region or has been approved as the, um, oh, like there's a certain the recipe. Method. The method. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, and I remember this coming out, I think last year or the year before, or someone mentioning to me and me laughing, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but now that you think about it, yeah, I haven't really been... I never drink champagne anyway. So I wouldn't you notice don't? if the labels have changed at all. Um, I Is everything saying like sparkling wine now? I'm trying to think. There's like different... Um, there's different names. There's like Prosecco. There's Brut. There's like a few different names. And I don't know if that actually has to do with the method or... They're all different. They're all different, They're from yeah. different regions. They're all from different regions. Okay, so, so that's what I usually base on. I know yeah. I like Prosecco. So I usually buy that. Well, how about we talk about that right now? Because I've got a little chart, so it's telling okay. you different wines. So champagne, which is from you pronounce it properly, what was it? Champagne. Champagne in <laughs> France. I don't know if you knew this, but I studied in France for six months, so. You surprise me every day. Yes. <laughs> how, was, how was those six months in France? It was great. Um, so I did a semester of uni there in Lyon. What did you study there? Université Jean Moulin Lyon 3. and. <laughs> um, I um so I was doing arts at Monash so I discontinued my arts subjects there. Mm. I did Shakespeare, I did French of course, I did um uh, I can't remember. You're a oh, I did a lot culture. of art history, which was awesome because ah. there's a lot of great art in France. Yeah. I did like three art history classes. <laughs> and um yeah, it was so good. It was great. But um it's just pass fail, which is great because I was drunk a lot. <laughs> All my international students have been that way. <laughs> oh my god, it's crazy. So drunk. Like, you don't know so how you do vodka. it. <laughs> I just like would drink vodka and eat like you know those prawn crackers dipped in hummus. Like I lost so much weight while I was there because that's all I did. Which defies everything when you go to Europe, especially France. You're supposed to put on the weight. Oh, it's appalling. <laughs> so the difference between a champagne, a prosecco, or cava. Which is the other I one that's that you mentioned? Oh, cuvee, like cuvee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cava. <laughs> Sorry, I'm from Australia. <laughs> so champagne is from France in their region. Prosecco is actually from Veneto in Italy. Okay. I didn't know this stuff at all. And um, what was the other one? How did you pronounce it? Uh, the Brut one? Or the C-A-V-A, Cava. Oh, Cuvée. Cuvée is actually from Catalonia in Spain. So they use different grapes for each one, but I think they're still 
a sparkling wine variety. Cool. Yeah. So obviously the champagne. Obviously, well, I assume you know everything about a champagne, but the grapes they use are Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Oh, I've never heard of that. How's that spelled? The second word? Um, so it's Pinot, like usual. P-I-N-O-T, then M-E-U-N-I-E-R. Yeah. That's a new word for me. Then Prosecco uses Galera grapes and the uh, Keva. Yeah. <laughs> uses Macabal, Paralado, and Sarello. Wow. Grapes. How's my it's Spanish? A, it's beautiful. <laughs> I feel moved. <laughs> That was easy. <laughs> okay. Before we go any further, Jerry, I'm bursting with today's birthday news. We almost jumped the gun with it. I'm bursting. I have to go back to it because yes. I'm so excited about Please it. Do. Okay. Are you familiar with a man by the name of Sir David Attenborough? I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, like kind of a familiar name to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's not that well known or anything. No, but... he's like kind of recorded a few TV shows. Oh, uh, I don't really know. Okay. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, sure. So what about this man? <laughs> So, 35 years ago... Yeah. So, this is the background to the news, okay? So, 35 years ago... Oh, wait. I need to name this bit of birthday news. I'll call it the the crash landing birthday surprise. Yeah. Ooh. I'll call it that. Okay. So, 35 years ago, David Attenborough's hot air balloon crash landed onto a farm, right by the farmhouse of the farm. And inside that farmhouse, there was a little girl's birthday party going on, a little three-year-old girl's birthday party. This was in Scotland, in a place called, it's a great name, Dunning Glen by Dollar, Clackmanenshire. <laughs> Dunning Glen by Dollar, Clack... No, I'm not even going to try it. Um, okay. So, Attenborough was wearing a spacesuit and moon boots for some reason, because whatever he was doing in that hot air balloon required that attire, I guess. And he, they'd crash landed, so they had no choice but to go to the door to ask for help, maybe use the phone. So he went to the door in this spacesuit and moon boots. And the girl's dad was like, Sir David Attenborough, this is awesome. And he went and got his little birthday girl and was like, Sir David Attenborough landed here just to wish you a happy birthday. And of course she bought it because she was three. So she was so stoked. All right, cut to just a couple months ago. Sir David Attenborough was making a speech at a charity gala um, for the Edinburgh charity called People's Postcode Lottery. And he told that story about this crash landing at the little girl's birthday party. After he told it, um, the host of the gala popped up onto the stage and said, what would you do if I told you the same little girl works for the People's Postcode Lottery and is in the audience tonight? <gasps> David Attenborough gripped his chair. He was shocked and he's like, where is she? <laughs> <laughs> and the little girl, Julie, who was now 37 and a marketing manager for this charity, walked on stage and they hugged. It was oh, a reunion. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That is fantastic. What a special thing. Oh, David Edinburgh. I just can't believe it. I get goosebumps. I just got goosebumps again talking about man? it. David. <laughs> David. Let's have a toast to David. Yeah. With our imaginary champagne. Mm, I could if I, I have a really good imagination so if I tried hard enough yeah. this peppermint tea could probably taste like champagne like peppermint champagne actually so I had a thought about things that you could turn into champagne like just by making them effervescent mm -hmm. like my first thought was if you put wine through a soda stream would it become champagne oh. or sparkling wine yeah um, it probably wouldn't but I did find a list of weird things that people have carbonated <laughs> oh i was thinking straight away like kombucha could oh. if you can cook it rightly 
almost pass off as like totally. a, a mock champagne. Because it could become alcoholic, right? Well, when it ferments and it has the sugar. Well, you have to add yeast as well. So yeah, it's okay. Very minimal. Kombucha is so yummy. Unlike um, unlike carbonated cow urine, which is a real drink that they're trying to get off the ground somewhere in India. Of course. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Um, it's a holy animal and it's only to sort of make the assertions that it's piss would also be just as holy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Someone raved about carbonated chocolate milk that they'd created. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there was a bunch of people like replying to that post saying, Oh, that's weird, but I'd try it. Like, oh, carbonated chocolate milk. Gotta do that. Sounds great. Like, people were really supportive. Um, Someone carbonated turkey gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Someone laid out this whole plan for carbonating actual apples and then baking them into a pie to make a carbonated apple pie. How do you do that? These people are crazy. They just, it's like the natural fermentation process. Um, this isn't just like chucking them in a soda stream. It's like the natural fermentation process that creates right. the natural carbonation. Yes. Which, yeah, we should talk about because so that's how. apples and then put them in a pie. Yeah. Ooh, be nice. So they're kind of bubbly and yeah. zingy. Maybe that's a good lead into the natural carbonation process for really traditionally made champagne. Yeah. Champagne from Champagne. Yep. It's carbonated by this natural fermentation method. There's, it, it takes years. So there's a long way to short way. Um, the super traditional way takes years, but the more mainstream method is still natural carbonation. Okay. First, they ferment grapes into wine, which everyone kind of knows how that works. Yep. After it's fermented, they put heaps of that wine into these giant tanks. They add a little bit of yeast and sugar, and then these tanks are pressurized. And in that pressurized tank, there's a reaction called secondary fermentation. Yep. So, you know, it's fermented already. The secondary fermentation is what creates those bubbles. It's very um, straightforward, I suppose. And we could probably do it in our... I don't really have a <laughs> bathtub. I don't know why I went to a bathtub. I do. Do you? I have a bathtub. I'm so envious of anyone who has bathtubs. It's nice. It really is. I used to take baths a lot more before I had a baby, though. Mm. Now I'm always giving him baths. baths. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting relationship with champagne because it's... I guess from delving further in, I realise how much it actually has permeated history and pop culture and it's become such a status symbol now. Um, even if it is like kind of drinking quite commonly socially, you know, you have your different tiered brands, which then represent the different levels of uh, status you have. Yeah, you really feel like you're treating yourself if you buy an expensive bottle, like yeah. more than most things. You just feel like you're really... I've finally made it. Yeah, in exactly. In terms of celebrating life, I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and like to the point where it's even used ritualistically or symbolically to like not even drink it, just to kind of either spray it over people or christen a ship or christen something else um, in Sweden now because they've got to be careful of spraying people with champagne and uh, smashing bottles. In bars now, they just tip it down the sink. Oh my god, <laughs> so anticlimactic. Yeah, I know. It's like, yay! Ooh, Everyone's like, oh god, damn. that doesn't feel good. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the thing that we've been continually popping up throughout our podcast and birthdays particularly cakes, any sort of celebratory parties, everything else, is that it sort of becomes this activity or item that is quite uh, revered because typically 
I think the processes in which it takes it makes it a very expensive and hard item to get a hold of. And so then royalty and everyone else sort of are the ones who have it or only have it for a period of time. And particularly with champagne because of its novelty of being sparkly and joyous and the way it overflows represents the abundance of joy and celebrations and ceremonies. So it's almost like physically represents the unbridled and overflowing of how you feel in those moments. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's such a like exciting moment. Like the cork pops and the bubbles spill yeah. out and it's it's so exciting. I remember when I was first hitting my eighteenth parties and then the champagne came out and I was like, Oh I'm drinking alcohol <laughs> champagne. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but so champagne's used everywhere. Have you are you a big champagne person? I would say yes in that I love it and I think it definitely adds something to an event. If it's a champagne night, it's a special night. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's just like me and a few girlfriends who decide like we're drinking bubbly tonight and it's just like that night okay. is automatically something more mm. special but definitely for celebrations. Like it mm-hmm. makes it feel like a I don't know, it, it definitely helps mark the occasion. Yeah. So like almost it's a very toner intent for the night and it's gonna be a bit of an indulgence night exactly yeah. exactly cool. it. yep but it's not something you would do all the time you would just every now and then definitely is it kind of planned or is it a bit of a spontaneous impromptu like you know what tonight's champagne night it's better when it's spontaneous because yeah. the first person that suggests it suggests it you're just like you're a goddamn genius <laughs> tonight should be a champagne night thank you for suggesting that yeah um so it's better when it's spontaneous but it's fine if it's planned to. Like, yeah. it's fine if, if you... I mean, if you know you're going out to celebrate something specific, then I think it would be kind of assumed that it was going to be a champagne night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, have you noticed when you drink champagne, you uh, might have heard, but also experienced um, the onset of drunk heartedness a lot quicker than usual? Definitely. Do you know why that is? No idea. It's the carbon dioxide. So, it helps alcohol be absorbed faster in the system. And therefore, you get drunk quicker. And right. that's why your hangovers. Uh, so you process less Ontario. because it's like being absorbed just more quickly. Straight into your system, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, you can get a buzz from just one glass. Totally. Well, I can. I can't I speak as for well. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> um, and I have both had really terrible hangover and also a very mild hangover, depending on the quality of totally depends on the quality doesn't it same with wine though like you buy a cheap wine you get a bad hangover like if you buy an organic biodynamic wine which i've done before but only maybe once because it costs a million dollars it's amazing it's amazing oh my gosh like the buzz is so clean you don't get any headache the next day you feel fine pure cocaine yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) like my dream world would be just Doing cocaine and drinking organic biodynamic <laughs> wine because I care about my body. So. I'm too, yeah. <laughs> so if you think, well, you've just touched on a really interesting thing there. So you've got the new sort of emergence of these other wines, which are biodynamic, organic, the whole tiering of marketing now that they can sort of attach itself and help push it out there. But some of the stuff I've been reading has really pushed how marketing and the advertising world has been very pivotal and a lot of these companies have been pivotal in in making sure champagne has saturated society, particularly within culture. Um, They've been behind a lot of big, big sort of subversive ways of getting champagne into movies, literature, yeah, if you and engaging with artists and just thinking about a lot of the advertisements back in sort of probably the early 1900s. Um, sort of like diamonds, I imagine, sort of that, that era of industrial revolution, which is another theme that seems to be emerging is that, that that's the period in which 
lot of these things just take off and yeah. then it sort of starts becoming um, normality. Like birthdays, as we know, they were formed during that time because finally everybody had access to these things, these mm. champagnes, the cakes, everything. Yeah. Um, and so champagne was first manufactured or produced in England. Okay. But the stuff was from France. Okay. So that was sort of, I think, the connection in some ways. So it was the drink of royalty in France for quite some time, up until the late 1700s. And then after the French Revolution, it then, uh, champagne was black and white, started replacing a lot of other symbols or rituals in religion. And so that was used as the traditional sort of marker to celebrate something rather than maybe particularly using a religious marker, which might have been, I don't know what, yeah. wine, bread, or... Sorry, that makes sense. Other things. And... So for more of a secular society, that became the go-to sort of item or token. Because people still wanted, they still needed these rituals in their lives. Like they didn't feel complete without them, but they're moving away from this religious affiliation and they needed a replacement. And I imagine having something that's in religion, something that's a bit above you or a bit more holy or special in that way. And then champagne becomes that because it's a status thing in society. Yeah, I remember you mentioned it just a few minutes ago about um, christening ships with champagne. Mm. Because formerly, a new ship before it took its first voyage would have been christened with holy water by a priest. There you and go. so by smashing the bottle of champagne on the side of the ship, they were christening it with champagne. <laughs> like champagne became the new holy water. Like yeah. you said, it became the new thing to aspire to. I like that um, champagne equals holy water. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it makes me feel like a really good uh, person. Of course it does. <laughs> I saw this great quote about champagne. I learned this from a um, history professor in Texas called Colleen Guy. And um, repeat that one more time. <laughs> Colleen Guy. That doesn't sound like a real name. Name ever from Texas. <laughs> yeah, who is this hack? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Royals were said to love champagne because it had a positive effect on women's beauty and man's wit. Of course, because like yeah, women are always. <laughs> beautiful and men are always witty and clever because everyone got drunk and so everyone looks way more beautiful (laughs) and everyone's hilarious when they're drunk like it's the strangest thing we drink this delicious beverage and then we're all just amazing (laughs) 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 thanks colleen guy from texas (laughs) yeah keep doing what you're doing yeah it's working (laughs) have you heard of a champagne birthday no Ooh. Oh, Jerry. It's not really that special, but... Um, <laughs> really? Because you're making it seem like it'll be I know, really but special. then I realized I was building it way too much more than I could. It's That's a- like, Greg, whenever my husband gets me a present, he like, he'll like he say you know, that he has a present for me. And I'll be like, ooh, present. And then he's like, oh, it's like it's not that good. Like, you know, It's not a very good present. Like Every time, he'll just talk it down. And he doesn't even know he's doing it. And I think also, too, the pressure of getting someone like you a present... <laughs> <laughs> who is like probably the queen of presents and joy um it's just a hard act to try and live up to i don't know sometimes i'm great at giving presents and sometimes uh, your I'm... modesty is deafening <laughs> that's deafening <laughs> that's good so back to champagne birthday back to champagne birthday so the other term for golden birthday which means you turn the same age as the day you're born <gasps> yes yeah i never knew that i knew about it oh. i remember looking forward to mine when I turned 15, that was my golden birthday. I was 13. There was no chance I was going to have... My, you missed my, it. 
but I couldn't have had it. Like, it just wouldn't have been allowed. Oh, well... Unless I have, like, neglected... My parents have neglected me. Your golden birthday doesn't have to be marked by drunkenness. It's just an extra special birthday. Unless well, someone else... Well, they it a champagne birthday, and I kind of feel like if you're going to call it that... Oh, so there's, people are saying that the golden birthday and the champagne birthday are the same thing. Yeah, it's just another name for All it. All right, I've never heard that. And that doesn't make any sense because almost everybody's birthday is before they're 21 or 18. This is champagne. This is... This is this is Urban Dictionary telling here. Okay, that's gospel. Please urban. don't refuse. The old Urban Dick. <laughs> urban Dick. <laughs> Confusing people since whenever it was created. <laughs> Seriously. So my sister listened to the first few episodes of our podcast. Yeah. She's in the States. And she has a few little kids. And I probably should have told her that we sometimes say bad words. She didn't mention that. I don't think she cares. But anyway, so she listened to it. And they were there, like with them. Mm. And they would not believe that you were not my husband, Greg. Because in their mind, any male Australian just like can only be <laughs> Uncle Greg. Because <laughs> it's the only Australian they've ever talk, met or talked to. <laughs> so she's like, no, no, that's not Uncle Greg. That's, that's Joe's friend, Jeremy. And <laughs> they're just like, no, it's Uncle Greg. It's Uncle Greg. <laughs> they just wouldn't believe her. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I'm happy to be Greg for yeah. a while. Um, I don't know how to be Greg, but don't, you don't even have to try. You know, you're Jerry. He's Greg. I'm sorry, kids, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not Uncle Greg. I am Jeremy. Thank you for setting the record straight. Sorry to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> so, champagne. Do you think I? Some of the images that just hit my mind straight away were a lot of um, music videos. So, if you think yep. about, uh, I don't want to use this term, gangster. Yeah. Rap. In quotes. Hip-hop. Parting the excessive lifestyles, getting in my, um, you know, jet plane, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it seems like um, a staple of hip-hop culture. It is, yeah. yeah but, and I think, if you th- what would be the golden eras, if you could think off the top of your mind, of where champagne has become excessive? So, you think about the 20s, then maybe the 50s and 60s, I don't know. Then it's probably flow through, I don't know, in modern days, 90s maybe? Yeah, maybe. Although when I think back to like the hip hop of the 90s, Mm. it didn't, I can't really think of champagne being as much of a symbol. More early 2000s? Yeah, more early 2000s. That's what I'm thinking. So like, I guess the story of champagne itself and what it means to different parts of society changes over time. And I mean, that's no thanks to marketing and advertising as well, uh, who are very good at retelling the story and Mm. re-engineering that story again and again and again. So champagne is now the official drink that you'd use to celebrate a sporting event. So F1 drivers, bang, celebrating straight away. Sports players winning a cup or a Super Bowl, bang, straight into the champagne. Or if you want to really demonstrate that you are the top of your game in terms of being, uh, you know, within this music, particular music uh, demographic, like hip hop or rap, excessive champagne, but pouring everywhere and associated with sex and money and so symbolism and things like that. But then you might have, think about fine culture, um, a bit more of the... Uh, like the elite, the yeah. rich. I didn't want to say elite and rich, but um, for sure, let's say that. I guess. What else yeah. could we say? Like, I, I was going to say refined, but then that's even worse. The, they're probably often not refined. They would probably not drink it in that excessive, like overtly excessive way, but it would always be there. And yeah. This is sort of a marker a symbol. of a symbol. Yeah. yeah. So I find that really fascinating that no matter where you are, 
within society, champagne would probably would be there in some way. And I'm talking more predominantly probably uh, Australian society here, not anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's probably more from a, a middle class upwards sort of strata. Yeah. Like, like you said, really you, you had your little champagne night. Yeah. That's your little marker. Yeah. Other people might go nuts and just like, I'm going to throw champagne everywhere. Yeah. Um, and other people would be more down tempo or I don't know. Yeah. I've never Definitely. had any sort of prominent relationship with champagne. It's kind of been there and I've utilized it as a, a free item yeah. <laughs> to consumer parties. That's about it. You're saying about the marketing, kind of helping it infiltrate yeah. <laughs> society. I remember it was a while ago now seeing a billboard in Melbourne. It was like a bottle of champagne popping, I think. And it said it was for a, um, a real estate company mm. um, buying and selling houses. And the tagline was like, keeping champagne makers in business since whatever year they were founded. Like the idea of you buy a house, you pop a bottle of champagne, kind of a roundabout way mm. of really cashing in on people celebrating with champagne. Let's sell you your house and then you'll have this amazing moment where you get to pop this yeah, bottle of champagne and yeah. feel awesome because there's so much associated with and that bottle it is popping. A and I, I wish I had done a bit more research into the different rituals and traditions and seeing which ones were a bit more historical and which ones were a bit more mythology and generated by yeah. a lot of marketing adverts because they, are, from what I can tell, have done a fair bit of work into yeah. um, rehearsing these moments with ads and everything else. That that's what it is, rehearsing. Yeah, it is. It's just telling that story again and again. And it again. feels familiar to you. You're like, yeah. that's what people do, right? Just like, like diamonds. Like that became such yeah. a prominent sort of marker of marriage and a, you know, a symbol of love, like a wolf worth. And that never existed until, what was it, like the 40s or something like that? I when, think so. When, um, who was it? One of the jewelry companies invented that campaign. Um, diamonds are a girl's best friend. They did so well for themselves. Definitely. Because now it's like, it's not even questioned. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. It actually gets me a bit like kind of weirded out now. I'm like, how much of our, like what we do and cherish yeah. is just invented by some... Contrived by marketing yeah, exactly. companies. Or how much is actually like a, a traditional ritual that emerged out of culture. Yeah, like organically. Or was yeah. it forced on us? Well, <sighs> I've learned so much about birthdays is organic luckily yeah like it has kind yeah. of evolved which i like a lot like even though companies definitely try to cash in on those traditions it's yeah. still pretty organic it's organic but they i think they almost take these or sort of organic um ideals and, and then just push them and permeate them wider yeah society. and package them up yeah and, exactly yeah yeah did you hear about it might have been last year that champagne shortage i vaguely heard something well, tell me more about that it was just something with the growing conditions in many of the regions that grow these grapes that yeah. are always used for champagne, yeah. they were just struggling. I can't remember if it was a contamination thing or a weather thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a massive shortage of these grapes. And so there was a champagne shortage. Yeah. And that's like a really good headline. So of course, like yeah. that story was everywhere. I wonder how many sales <laughs> spiked at that point. Oh my God, yeah. That's Our... <laughs> a really devilishly clever little thing. Yeah, was that even real? Yeah. Now, do you know the ideal conditions in which you should be serving your wine? No. Like temperature, you mean? Temperature. Or type yeah. of glass? Is a mug okay? Um, well, apparently about 8 to 10 degrees. That's Celsius. Celsius, yeah. Okay. Which is not as cold as I thought, but... Obviously, it's Celsius. It's not Fahrenheit. fridge cold. It's so cold. I just did a food handling course recently, so I'm like, ooh. You're a registered food handler. Yeah. Gary. I know. Look Start out. a business. <laughs> all right, give me all your food. <laughs> I'll handle it. <laughs> I'll handle it right into my mouth. <laughs> um, 
So between <laughs> so between four degrees and few sixty degrees, <laughs> almost failed my test. That was a great sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the danger zone for any food or drink? And that's when bacteria, uh, bacteria prime. can prime okay. grow. And so anything four degrees and cooler is ideal. That's why all fridges are four degrees. Right. Um, and that's why when you cook and heat everything, it should be above sixty degrees. Okay. And so when you're doing that, anyway. So when you're serving, I guess, champagne, 8 to 10 degrees, that's sort of an optimum temperature. So is that optimal for enjoyment or optimal for storing it? Served for enjoying it. Okay. Mm. That's very crisp. That's very crisp. I mean, that would be that would be really nice, but I think I probably usually drink warmer champagne. And I don't mean warm champagne. 20 degrees. <laughs> oh, the thought of drinking warm champagne right now disgusts me, but yeah. I know I've drinking warm champagne on so many occasions. Yeah. Like, gosh. it's just not that cold yet, but you're like, but now's the time. The time is right to bust yeah. out this bottle yeah, of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing it. <laughs> How do you open your bottle of champagne, by the way? Um, With gusto. Gusto. <laughs> yeah. That's the only ingredient I need is gusto. <laughs> um, I, I don't usually wedge the cork out with my thumb and let the cork fly just because I'm a little bit paranoid about it hitting somebody so i usually <laughs> just like like let it pop out but into my hand yeah and then woo, like wave it in the air <laughs> if i go to youtube and type in um champagne cork funny <gasps> oh i'm doing it <laughs> um, i bet there's some awesome ricochets oh yeah it's, <laughs> i have you ever had that like have you has anyone been injured in the way you've known not that i can think of neither here I'm, i've been like, blessed i mean i know everyone every time someone's opening something everyone's like ducking for cover and yeah hiding. oh i like walk like a mile away if my baby's around i'm like just, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just so paranoid about him getting everyone's on the ground gunshot <laughs> i get um i do get really anxious right before it pops so like if i'm not popping it and i'm not in control of it and i'm just waiting for the pop i get yeah. so anxious like same with a balloon popping when it comes time to pop balloons after a birthday party oh my god if someone's like just going around popping them every time i'm just frozen <laughs> with like anxiety before each pop I hate it. <laughs> well, I have nothing else to say about champagne. I mean, I do, but nothing um, that anyone wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to find, like, this little bit on how you should open a bottle of champagne properly. Oh, that's a good idea. Like, I was working at a, a New Year's event um, as this uh, wine dispenser is what I'll call myself. Um, you should. <laughs> It was down. It was down in the Yarra Valley at one of the owners of the local wineries, and it was literally the community of all winemakers coming together for a news party. Enters Jeremy, serving wine. Who has no idea about wine? Has never served wine before in his life. Were people asking you the hard hitting questions? Oh, all the time. <laughs> and it got to the point where one of them, the guy, just saw me opening him. He's like, No, 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 no. Oh no! Let me come over here. And so I actually, Jerks. Had, it was gorgeous though. <laughs> okay. They're really gentle and nice. They actually. <laughs> sat through and they're really patient with me and I think they realized what the deal was and so they everyone just started teaching me about wine and how to open it properly nice. and do all these things and not in a patronizing not way not in a patronizing way like I think they were just excited that you know I they was, had a little pupil they had me locked down for a few hours anyway so like yeah. you're gonna listen to everything I say <laughs> surprise wine class I thought you were gonna be like they were really snotty and like no is this they're okay riesling, sticky. Of, of course there was one or two of them but <laughs> most of them were quite nice <laughs> Um, but I was told that like you have to have like your thumb over the cork, okay, and then you're twisting it seven times, and then that should be the perfect amount of time for it to pop off without it exploding everywhere. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think that's about what I do. 
Perfect. Probably not quite seven, maybe five. So not optimal, okay. but um, suboptimal. But it's worked for you every time. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're a natural. Thanks, wine. Yarra Valley wine experts. Here's to you. Maybe we could close out by me teaching you a new word. Yes, please. Okay, you might already know it. I didn't. <laughs> so um, another word for effervescence, which effervescence is bubbly. When a drink is bubbly, it's effervescent. Um, and the other word is ebullition. One more time. Ebullition. 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 E b u l l i t i o n. And it's the action of bubbling. So a sentence that you could use it in. The ebullition of the champagne made it seem alive, playful, as if teasing for a sip. <laughs> um, that's great. I love that word. Ebullition. And everybody. it's a lot more easier to say than. Yeah, that word. I kind of program my brain to say effervescence. Effervescence. It's hard. It's a hard word to say. Effervescence. Maybe it's harder to say with an Australian accent. Yeah, I have to say an American accent. Effervescence. Effervescence. Oh god. My brain's not liking words today. Americans say every letter in words. Well, at least people from the area I'm from. But yeah, I say, well, every letter, if it's there, I'm going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I have respect for every letter. (laughs) I think you believe in equity and that's what I know about you. Alphabet equity. (laughs) It's one of my my core beliefs. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. That was a really fun episode, I think. I hope you enjoyed it, too. I hope that you um, get to drink champagne very soon. Yeah. Like right now. I hope you drank it while you were listening to this. I don't care what time of the day it is you're listening to this. Crack it open. Even if you're sitting in bed, you're about to go to bed. If you're about to brush your teeth, brush it with champagne. Oh, champagne tastes bad after you brush your teeth. Of course don't it does. Do it. Anything with toothpaste does. That's a gap in the market, by the way. You can have that idea. <laughs> toothpaste that works with everything. Why hasn't anyone done that? My husband likes to say about in different industries, he likes to say that they're ripe for disruption. Like for instance, yesterday <laughs> he said he, he said the puzzle industry was ripe for disruption. <laughs> so I think that if he were here, he would say that the toothpaste industry is ripe for disruption. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, guys, if you want to get in touch with us, please do. Do not hesitate. Follow your heart and email us at happybirthdaypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are happy birthday podcast. And also, if you could leave a review about the show on iTunes, if you like it, even just a star rating, you don't have to write anything. It really mm. helps other people find the show. So yeah. that would be awesome. Thanks. All right, everybody. You know what time it is. <laughs> so everyone out there. Is it your birthday today? If it is, hip hip hooray to you. And if it's your unbirthday by any chance, don't you dare feel sad. A hip hip hooray to you too. Fucking Texas. <laughs> Fucking Texas. <laughs> <laughs>
full of love and grace It pleases us to see your smiling face To see you rise and be a star We know that you'll go really far This life is short and you have just been